The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of Negotiate Anything. Thanks for spending time with us today. It's listeners like you in 181 different countries that have made Negotiate Anything the most popular negotiation and conflict resolution podcast in the world. I'm your host, Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer, mediator, professor, and the director of the American Negotiation Institute. Before we get started, I have two quick questions for you. Is negotiation a critical part of what you do? Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If you answered yes to both of those questions, visit our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more. David, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Kwame. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it is my pleasure. Yeah, I, I know for me, living out here in Columbus, I'm always jealous when I see your mountain backgrounds <laughs> living in serenity. Yeah. So um, how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, I began life as a corporate consultant. I was really good at left brain stuff and businesses and systems, and I became an actuary, which is someone who deals with risk management and 50-year financial projections. So I thought I had it made when I was on Park Avenue at the age of 23, consulting to Sony Music and Ford and Exxon. It was, you could say I had it made, but then I discovered a self-help seminar. And once I got past the name tags and the smiling faces and started to trust them a bit more, I realized that, wait, there are people who really care about the world and really want to make it better and will devote their lives to that. And so I found myself coaching somebody during the course and I changed a woman's life overnight. And I was like, this is amazing. So when I found out that it was starting to emerge as a profession, and this is back in 97, 98, I got really interested. And so uh, the last 25 years of my life have been devoted to coaching and helping people's lives be better. And when I looked at, do I go with business coaching because I'm good with businesses and systems, or do I go with life coaching because I care so much about vulnerability, connection, emotional intelligence, influence, and communication, I realized I'm not going to pick one. I'm going to work with people who want both to be better, and we work with how everything intertwines. So now my brand is Play For Real and Tough Conversations International, and I just love, I ask people, how could your life be better today? This is great. Yeah, I, and I, I, I bet we could spend a whole episode digging deeply into that decision that you made because I love that you were able to take the two things that you really enjoy and put them together and create something really unique. And a lot of people feel as though they have to choose one or the other, but it's really a, a false dichotomy. And I really appreciate and admire that you had the creativity to, to find a way to put those things together. Thanks. It's, a, it's tough because I also preach that we should create a niche and we should really focus. And that makes a lot of sense. But because the first 25 years of my life were about systems and numbers and business, and then the last half has been more about the communication side, I just rather like, what's going to make your life better today? And it might be talking about staff, layoffs. It might be talking about managing up. It might be talking about building revenue, or it might be 
my kid doesn't really talk to me. I'm not sure how to reach him or I'm not taking care of myself as well, well as I should. I, I'm just like, why limit it to, to right. a particular area? That's great. That is fantastic. I've, I've been excited about this interview for a while because I, I really like your approach. And uh, the three things that we're going to talk about today is, as it relates to conflict resolution, what is the natural response that people typically have to conflict? Um, what are the costs of avoiding conflict versus the benefits of actually engaging wholeheartedly in the conversation? And then your four-step care model for addressing conflict in our lives. So how about we start off with point number one, the natural response. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, well, we tend to run away from, from conflict. Most of us, we want to feel comfortable. If my cup of tea isn't hot enough, then there's a problem. I got to go and handle it. The, the chair's got to recline far enough on the plane or I'm going to complain. We're creatures of comfort and it's gone a, a bit overboard. And so if, if you do something that I don't like and I might want to change your behavior, I kind of, it might be good to say something about it. Maybe I could feel more connected with you, but also maybe it's going to make things worse. Maybe you're going to feel uncomfortable or, or attacked and I'm going to feel awkward and vulnerable because I can't control the conversation. In particular, we'll usually try and avoid fear of loss. And that makes sense. So I may not want to go and speak my truth with my partner and say I broke an agreement five years ago because I'm worried about how she's going to react and maybe, maybe she's going to leave me if I do it. If I tell my boss that I screwed up, I might lose my job. If I tell someone that I, I, I broke the law, I could go to jail. So there are valid fears of loss that would have us avoid a conversation. And one of the main reasons we'd avoid it is because we weren't trained on how to, how to have it. You're you know? spot on. Yeah. And if we're not trained how to have it, there's a chance that we're going to go and screw it up. So it totally makes sense that society would just sweep things under the carpet, not try and make waves, not try and rock the boat. But I'm here to say, if you follow this four-step model, your chances of it going well are far greater. And there's still a risk that that, that person might get upset or it might not go well, but I used to study risk management. So I just say, make sure the odds are in your favor and then roll the dice. Take a shot. I'll take good bets all day, every day. So that's why I speak about this so often because I want people to have the model so that then they can speak up and share their desires. Hey, I'd like to be on that project. I'd like to go to Japan on that trip. I'd like to marry you. I'd like to, you know, whatever it is, I want people to speak up. Please, please don't smoke around me. It actually, you know, I think it's killing me slowly. Can we come up with something else? Let's speak 30% more of our truth than we're currently doing. And sure, use the four-step care model to do it. Absolutely. And you're spot on when it comes to that fear, the risk. There's a fear of loss that, that holds us back. And I think one of the biggest issues as it relates to this is what you said. We are not trained to have these conversations. We go throughout our entire educational experience and we learn about the capitals of the states, but we don't know how to interact with people and resolve conflict, which is just a natural byproduct of constant human interaction. And when we don't know how to do something, it increases the level of fear we feel toward it. And the reality is there are risks associated with everything that we do. Driving in a car is, is very, very risky, right? 
there's a risk associated with, with that, but we understand that it's a necessary part of being a productive citizen. But since we don't come to that realization that conflict is a necessary part of every relationship, we become very apprehensive. So for the people who are out there who struggle with fear as it relates to conflict, how do you start to get over that? By naming it. This is so important. This is the fear. When, when, we, when we're looking at a potential tough conversation, which by the way, that's one way to look at it as a tough conversation, but I think it's more about speaking the truth. And maybe it won't be a tough conversation. Maybe it'll be an easy one. Who knows? But let's identify what core truth we're not expressing and then prepare just in case it's going to be a tough conversation. But it may not be. Now, when, when we first look at it, let's suppose someone's late for you and it's happened a few times and it's bugging you. And like, how do I, how do I say this? The f- step one in the care model is clarify. Clarify the issue. You want to work out what's going on for you. And so there's a worksheet for that, which we can give listeners, I give it out now, playforreal.life. You can download for free the four-step tough conversations blueprint. And I call it the care model. C stands for clarify. You fill in the worksheet and work out, what am I afraid of here? Because you may not know. There's a very great fog. They talk about something called the fog of war. In war, where you might have seen a particular zone and then you move away and now you kind of know what's around there, but you haven't seen it for, for half an hour. Things could have changed. It's the fog of war. Well, we have the fog of tough conversations. We don't know what's going on inside ourselves. Fill in the worksheet and you'll get clear at least, what am I afraid of? Oh, I'm afraid that they'll call me oversensitive. I'm afraid they'll get defensive. I'm afraid they, they won't even hear me out. I'm afraid that they'll badmouth me in the industry or that they'll think less of me. I'm afraid that he or she will leave me. Whatever it is, at least let's name it. And I find when I can name a fear, it dissolves just a little bit. It softens a bit. And I can now communicate it to the other person. Oh, I notice I'm afraid of this. And and now I'm less afraid of it because I'm even willing to tell them about it. And another question in, in the worksheet is, what's your hope? And that'll help with the fear as well. Because the mind is good at presenting to us everything that could go wrong. It's not that natural for people to just generate a possibility. Hi, I'm Jonathan Fields. Tune into my podcast for conversations about the sweet spot between work, meaning, and joy. And also listen to other people's questions about how to get the most out of that thing we call work. Check out Spark wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn. LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product, though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so... We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Oh, my hope is that I'll look forward to our meetings knowing that we're both going to be on time. 
Well, my hope is that we'll be thriving as a team and really working together. My hope is I'll feel more connected to you as a partner and that, that I can build trust with you by confessing something that happened. So one thing really, clarify the issue and that will help you with the fear. It'll help the fear soften, but also even if it doesn't soften, it will help you share that fear with the other person when we get to the next steps so that they at least know who they're dealing with. Oh, I, this is edgy for you. I didn't realize that. Okay, thanks for letting me know. You don't have to get rid of the fear. It's nice. That's a bonus. Absolutely. I love that point because a lot of times we wait to feel good about a situation before taking action. But yeah. a lot of times yeah. when it comes to being courageous, it is taking the right step in spite of how you feel. And I love the fact that you started off with clarification as the first step, because again, when it comes to preparation, we often don't take the step of understanding ourself. We think yeah. about the situation and what we're going to say, wait, let's slow down. What am I afraid of? Because the fear is a limbic response from the amygdala. It's about self-preservation. And then when we project into the future, it's more natural for us to think about the bad things that can happen. Again, it is a self-preservation method. Again, thinking about what we hope for, that doesn't come naturally, like you said. So it's so important for people to stop and do this introspection through clar clarification, like the model says, so you can actually understand yourself and what it is that you are afraid of and then what it is you hope to accomplish through the process. Yeah. So there's so two really important points here. I like how you, how you drew, drew out the gems in there, but I want to triple click on a couple of these. Yeah, do the worksheet and that might help you dissolve some of the fear, but don't think that just because you can't get rid of the fear, that means, means you shouldn't have it. No, it just means that you're vulnerable. And, you know, this might be too, too much information for, for some listeners, but I did something recently that I thought was fine. No one was around, no big deal. I live in the mountains, right? So I, I like peeing in the woods. I think that's you know, why not if you, can, if you can do it? But I did it at the wrong time in the wrong place. And my tenant, I think, saw it. And I was so embarrassed. I was just mortified. And I try, you know, I talked to four different coaches about this because I got a lot of friends who are coaches. And I just could not find a way to bring it up and to have this tough conversation. Now, after four hours, I got rid of a lot of my fear. But basically, there was still a lot about how she was going to react, what she might say, maybe she's going to move out. And, and in the end, I just had to screw up my courage and I had to go and be super vulnerable. And I said, I went and knocked on her door and said, if you have a few minutes for me to bring up something that I'm incredibly embarrassed about, and there was no easy way to do it. That was the easiest way I could come up with after four hours. And we ended up having a great conversation. She had not seen it. In the end, so I kind of, you know, risked making it worse by bringing it up. But we had a good laugh about it. And she said, everybody likes, she said, I like to pee in the woods myself. It's not a big deal. So now I felt closer to her. And instead of that hanging over me and me worried about that for, for the next few weeks or months, like that might bite me on the butt, handled, totally handled. But it took a lot of courage to be with the fear, feel it and do it anyway. Absolutely. And the thing is, with that example, David, there was no easy way to do it. There was no way to make that conversation feel good. 
And when people sit there and they think and they ruminate and they try to figure out what the path forward is and they can't find a good answer that helps them to avoid that feeling of fear and discomfort, they say, well, I must not have the right answer. I should probably just sit here and think. Right. it's, Right. it's It's a defense mechanism, procrastination. So we avoid actually doing what it is that we need to do. Yep. I've had some really tough conversations, like terrified. One was calling a, a, a high school bully and just saying I'd resented him for 20 years and I was letting it go. I was terrified about what he was going to think about me or what he was going to say. I once tracked someone down. I did something when I was younger that was illegal and, and, and could have hurt someone. I wasn't sure, but I tracked that person down and, and confessed and apologized and said, how can I make it right? If they'd prosecuted, I could have gone to, I could have gone to prison for that. So I've, I was terrified. I can't even tell you how scared I was in making that call. So I'm not saying you should go and start with all these big ones, but what you can do is start making it, doing a bit of a truth audit. You write down on a piece of paper the names of anyone that you don't feel great about. You might resent them. You might feel guilty. You might have felt disappointed by something write it down. And then on the right-hand side of the, the paper, write down what the issue is. You don't have to go and have all these conversations, but you might circle a couple and say, I'm going to download the four-step care model and I'm going to practice on a couple of the easier ones. Each time you do it, you get better at it. And then when the, a tough one comes along, you know, say it might be something with a parent or with a husband or wife or with your kid where the stakes are really high you're going to have more skill when that comes along. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to connect. Our workshops are completely customized to reflect the specific and individual concerns faced by you and your team. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Click the link in the description to learn more. And now let's get back to the episode. Absolutely. And so let's dig into that because I really think that's interesting. So those were examples of conversations that you didn't necessarily have to have. You could have gone throughout your life living in the mountains by yourself, you and your puppy, and nobody would have ever known. So what is the value to you of having those difficult conversations, even when there is an opportunity to avoid it in a way that wouldn't cause any further damage. Yeah. Well, look, I'll give you an example. I can tell, like, if I don't say who it is, then I can give more details. So give an example of someone I coached who, when he was a teenager, he and, the, he and his mate went and burgled a house. Now, this guy is high-functioning, great job, very spiritual guy, super smart, like, like I want to be him. That's how awesome he is. And he did this when he was a kid. And he's carried that for 20 years. They went and burgled a friend's house, stole some stuff. Now, for you and me listening, we could probably forgive him. Like, all right, it happened a long time ago. He's learned since. He's not a thief now. All right, no big deal. But for him, you've got to try and imagine, this is huge. This is a massive amount of guilt. and. His, his mind's going through, what if I'm caught? What's going to happen? Uh, would they call the police? Am I going to just lose my reputation in my hometown? 
So I coached him through it and he went and risked all of that to come clean and apologize. And now he has been forgiven. He doesn't have to carry that anymore. He gets to set that down. When I went and uh, called the bully from school, this was someone I used to really like. And I felt upset and really disappointed that he would always put me down and uh, one-up me in class. And I didn't even know all of that. I just knew I, I hated the guy. After having this call, he said to me at the end of the call, well, what could I say or do now to help you or us move forward? This is the guy I thought was a jerk. So I, it changed my life because I saw that someone that I thought was a certain way was no longer that way. And I didn't know that that was really possible. And I went back to my hometown a couple of years later, and there he was at the pub, 10 o'clock at night. And normally I would have just nodded and ignored him, but we ended up chatting and having a really good chat. And then when he went back to his, back to his parents' house for after drinks, he invited me. He wouldn't, I don't think he would have done that before. And then sitting there out the back of the house, he said to me after many beers, he said, I don't think I ever would have had the courage to make that phone call that you made. Tell you what, Kwame, that was the best validation I'd ever had from someone I really respected. And I was up, upset about how a relationship went. I was like, wow, thank you. So there's healing that's possible in having these tough conversations. I coached a podcast host. Once he heard the bully story, he reached out just a week ago to a guy on a chat about how he you know, tried to forgive him for years. And the guy said, yeah, I was a jerk and I'm so sorry. But now that's made a huge difference to this podcast host because he's like, I've been carrying that forever. This guy used to beat me up and now he's apologized. That's huge. So these are extreme examples. I don't want listeners to think I'm only talking about cleaning up the past, which is, you know, if you want to grab a coach and do that, it can be incredibly healing. But I'm talking about even micro stuff with people where they just annoyed you or they dis you felt disappointed or you you'd like something different in the bedroom, but you're feeling shy to ask. These, these are the micro tough conversations where you can start and build your skills so that ultimately my hope for you is that there's nothing that could stand in your way. There's nothing that you couldn't talk about because you've got the skill to do it. This is great. This is fantastic. I'm, in, I'm really enjoying this. But for the sake of time, let's move on to the second point. Because I, and I think we've touched on this uh, quite a bit, which is the, the cost of avoiding conflict and the benefits. We've touched on it, but what are the things that we've missed? Well, yeah, well, we've hit a lot of the benefits. But the cost, I find, look, you're either going to pay up front with some awkwardness and, and risking something you might lose. But if you don't, I say you pay over time. You pay over time in resenting that person or in not getting that job opportunity or whatever it is. And that, that adds up. And I think the cost is often higher by not addressing it. Look, a, fr a friend of mine reached out on email and she was annoyed at something I'd done. I was trying to help her. And she, she got triggered and annoyed. She's like, why did you do this? I'm like, are you kidding me? I got triggered, right? Now, if I don't address that, that's going to always be between me and her. And I'm going to want to work with her less. I'd be less inclined to go to a party of hers. In my world, it's got to be resolved. Now, people say, ah, 
just let it go. Hey, if you can let it go, that's great. That's even better. Let it go and then tell her, hey, I noticed I got triggered. I felt defensive. I, let's assume I've done the worksheet, right? I realized I would have liked acknowledgement that I was trying to help you and I would have liked appreciation for that. And I was going to bring all this up. And then I realized, oh, what the hell? You know, I can see your point of view and I'll try and do it differently next time, right? Yeah, maybe let it go and then maybe share it. It might be useful information for them to know. But if you truly have let it go, okay, you probably don't need to speak about it. The thing is, most times we don't and I, I can't. I'll give you another example. I dated a woman for years and I felt victimized. I felt brutalized by the relationship and some of the choices she made. I felt like she led me along on a string and then she'd say she was going to be monogamous and then she'd go and date someone else. And she did it over and over and over again. And my story, I get it's just my story. It's not true. Was that I I felt victimized and I don't like how she operated And for years, I couldn't work out how to have that tough conversation easier just to cut her off. Once we'd broken up, she kept trying to be friends. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be friends with that person. Well, finally, I got some coaching from a couple of people I just met in Colombia. And one of these women gave me some coaching and I realized what was missing. Had I had the worksheet, I might have realized sooner if she wants to be connected, I would need an apology. I can't demand one. I know that. I'm not owed one. I know that. She was doing the best she could, right? That's my spiritual self-talking. I know. But if she wants to be more connected, this would be the path. So I reached out to her and I said, look, would you like to know the path to us being friends? I don't demand it. I don't expect it. But I I realized what it would look like. And she's like, yes, my God, yes. After years of trying. And I said, I would want an apology. I want to know that that had you had more awareness, you would have done it differently, that you regret it and you would act differently in the future, seeing the impact. And I want you to know the impact that it had. And I said, and I have no expectation, right? It's totally up to you. That's very important. Because if you demand an apology, you're asking for trouble. And she sent me the most beautiful, heartfelt apology. And I didn't think I even needed that. I just thought I could be friends with you if you gave that. I was weeping. I was sobbing with the release after all those years of the pain I went through. And here was just a simple, I'm so sorry. She said, I was addicted to you. And I wish I'd known enough to, I I had the strength to just walk away from you and leave you be. I was like, okay, we're good. Now she's a good friend. She lives in Colorado and we've taken walks together. But that all came through a tough conversation. And most people I imagine would think, no, I couldn't clean that up with my ex. I don't want to clean that up with my ex. I don't like them, right? Well, I'm just saying you can create a space for people to step into. And if you create that space without any demand or expectation that they step into, your tough conversations might be easy ones. Hey, Bill, I notice when you're late, I feel disrespected. I'm not saying you're disrespecting me. That's just the feeling I have. And I notice I'm less inclined to want to book lunch with you again. And I'd like to feel good with you and feel like, uh, like I'm looking forward to lunch. And I wonder if you'd be willing to arrive 10 minutes early next time. You don't have to, right? You, can, you just be you. I'm just asking. And Bill might be like, yeah, that's just who I am. All right, 
fine, then we'll have lunch once a year instead of four times a year. All right, that's just the consequence. But there's no attachment. I'm just making a request. And I, I do notice we're coming up to time. Was there a third? There was a third point you wanted to get into? There was, there was a third point, but we're, listen, we're going to take some extra time here, David, because that was a really, that's a really interesting point. Because with those two difficult conversations that, that you gave, the example that you gave, you always made sure that you made it clear to the other party that they can either accept it or reject it. You're not forcing them to apologize or forcing them to change their behavior. You're saying you can do with this information as you please. Why is that so important? Well, if I'm, if I'm demanding that you should be different, that just, that that sucks, right? That doesn't feel good. When someone's like, you're late and you're wrong. That's, that's very important. And there are some pro tips on the download again at playforreal.life. There are some pro tips. And one of them is you got to own your own experience. If you come from there's something wrong and you need to change, you're in trouble. But if you come from, this is how I feel, and I would like it if you're willing to do something different, are you willing? And if you're not, let's talk about that too. That's a whole different thing because I'm giving you freedom and choice and I'm not demanding anything. It's about my experience and I'm just asking. But yeah, I, I think that's incredibly powerful because when you try to demand something from somebody, you're trying to take the power from them and assert your dominance over them. And whenever you do that, somebody says, well, it seems like David is trying to control me. I will not be controlled. Even if I wanted to give him what he asked for, now I almost feel a sense of obligation to defy him in order to assert myself. And so you're almost yeah. inviting more resistance right. than necessary. Yeah, there's a principle in authentic relating, which I study and teach, called welcome everything. And I just coached a VP who was saying, how do I address a behavioral issue with someone? She's a bit abrasive and I wanna, I'd, like to, I'd like to motivate her to change. And what we ended up with was, look, it's no big deal that she's abrasive. So a few feathers get ruffled. So what? No big deal. But why deal with the flack from that if with a little training you could change that and, ha- and be more sought after? in the company. So now she's going in with that approach. Before she was going in with, this is a problem. This is a problem and you need to change. Now it's like, all right, look, no big deal. It doesn't happen very often, but every now and then it's something I've got to deal with and other stuff I've got to deal with. So would you be interested in some training to develop you, which I think will help your career path? Way different from, look, there's a problem here and you need to address it. Right. Definitely. Well, great. With the time we have left, Let's just give them a quick synopsis of, of the care model and then really sell them on downloading the, the, the free guide. Yeah, okay. I'll give you the care model. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to sell anyone on downloading the guide. I put a lot of time into it and I think it's going to help you a lot. A, a school principal wrote in and said he's batting four for four from using the model with these tough conversations. So this really does work. Fill in a worksheet on every issue you have with somebody and then choose if you're going to continue to have the conversation. So here are the steps. The C in care stands for clarify the issue. Just fill in the worksheet. Easy. If you continue, the A stands for ask permission. And there's a ninja formula on this, on this worksheet that will make it easier for you to bring it up with somebody. Now it's R for care, right? So the R stands for reveal and request. Reveal the issue and how you're feeling about it. And if you have a request, make the request. And one of the most important steps of all is the fourth one. The E stands for inquire, 
we don't want to have a tough monologue and just drop this on the person and they agree to our request. And we're like, all right, thank you so much. Goodbye. We want to find out how is it for them that I even made the request? How is it for them that I brought this up? How is it for them that I'm bringing up talking about peeing in the woods, which might be a really awkward topic? Is it awkward? Is it embarrassing? Is it funny? I'd like to know how this is for you. And do you have a better idea than the one that I have? And I'm going to shut up and listen. You really want to get their world so that you can work things out together. This is powerful, David. This is incredible because it changes the entire approach that people typically have with these difficult conversations. And I think just framing it in this way is going to do wonders for the listeners when it comes to the conversations that they have to have day to day in their lives. I think this is a perfect place to end. But before you go, let the listeners know about you again and your podcast. You have a podcast. These are podcast listeners. Let them know. Yeah, thank you. A podcast is Tough Conversations with David Wood. So uh, if you want to listen to some of those episodes, listeners, come over to playforreal.life and you can subscribe to the podcast. Also, you've got the download of playforreal.life. And the third thing is if you are interested in coaching, you're interested in your life being better and your career or business being better, because I don't work with just one, then request a session with me. I do discovery sessions. And if you qualify for the session, I don't charge for the session because it's how I find the right people to work with long-term. Maybe we're a fit, maybe we're not, but let's find out. I'll help you create a plan for your life and your work. And uh, if you want to implement it alone, great. Let me know how it goes. If you want help implementing it, then we can talk about coaching. And all of that is at playforreal.life. Fantastic. David, thank you again, my friend. This has been great. My pleasure, Kwame. Great to meet you. Likewise. Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.